Alan Reed. I want to talk to you. Is this a machine? I don't talk to machines. Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw. And we are coming to you today with probably, unless I miss my calculations, our last episode of 2021. Mm-hmm. Which makes it a holiday special. Uh, perhaps not the best suited to a holiday special episode content-wise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking at our calendar, this should be the episode uh, that releases around Christmas slash New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We just wanted to take the opportunity to say happy holidays and thank everyone who's been listening and, and hanging with us this year. It's been uh, it's been a real one. I have been trying to I've been trying to mash up Vegas with Christmas in my head somehow. I'm sure Vegas does that perfectly well. I'm mm-hmm. sure around the holidays they it's a very Vegas Christmas. But anyways, this is our second Vegas episode of mm-hmm. the Rockford Files in a row, uh, and so I think that that's. Feels like a special holiday kind of thing too. We right? got some. We've got some bright lights. We got some. Yeah. Uh, some some really great color work in this <laughs> in this episode. It's a musical episode. Yeah, it, it's a musical episode. The palette—that's the word I was looking for. A really good color palette yes. in this episode. Yes. Yeah, I mean, De- Desert Christmas is is pretty sweet. Um, so I grew up in New Mexico, so I had many desert Christmases. But uh, we did basically live in the mountains, so we did have snow for most of them. Um, the more real deserty desert Christmas is still uh, still pretty legit, is all, I'm, is all I'm trying to say. Even though this episode yeah. does not have anything to do with Christmas. It's about the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, we will be taking January off from releasing new episodes. Uh, we did that last year. Don't remember if we did that the year before, but it's um, it is a, a it nice out. yeah it worked out. It's a nice healthy break for for us both to <laughs> you know have a little less going on around the holidays with with you know travel and other deadlines and all the other stuff that happens around the turn of the year, um, and also you know gives us a little breathing space to look at the episodes that we have remaining mm-hmm. in the show and strategize a little bit about what we want to do. In the first couple months of 2022, we're over the hill now, right? Oh we're, yeah, we're we're past the halfway point. Yeah, I don't know exactly how far, but we were approaching <laughs> the halfway point. I think when we were finishing up season two, I think we should be <laughs> definitively over it by now. Yeah, we'll do a whole state of the show thing. I think you know when we come back with uh, where we're at and our, what we're looking forward to in the next year. I can. I'll go ahead and forecast that that's something we're going to want to do. If we don't do it, it's just because we forgot. <laughs> that that makes sense. So you picked this episode. I feel like it's my duty to ask you why, even though I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I think, as you mentioned earlier, kind of a second second of a two episode project. And that's simply because after I selected the episode that we did last time, I noticed that in the episode synopses in season one, this episode also mentioned Jim Goes to Vegas. So I just thought it would be a fun little one-two to look at these two Jim Goes to Vegas episodes kind of next to each other. 
we'll probably talk about this at the end, but I do think mm -hmm. they uh, do complement each other in that they are about different things. And also the use of Vegas in particular is different between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, so it is uh, it is kind of interesting to look at them as a pair. This is season one, episode 22, Roundabout. It is the last episode of season one, so it is not close to the previous one in air order. Um, right. So it's not like they have any connection production-wise. Yeah, they're just, uh, um, they just happen to both be in Vegas. And the other one is only kind of in Vegas, while this one is very in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. The other one is the Dexter Crisis. Yes. Which, if this is the first time you're listening to our show, you can go back one episode and uh, listen to the first part of this vague two-part series. Yeah, no spoilers, but... There's a crisis. Yeah, <laughs> Dexter's involved. <laughs> this episode, I'll start off with the director. This one's directed by Lou Antonio. Uh, we have done almost all of his episodes. We last saw a Lou Antonio episode <clears throat> when we did Foul on the first play, which was the right. uh, introduction of Gabby Hayes. No, those are two different people, which was the introduction of uh, of Gabby, the uh, uh, the Lou Gossett Jr. character, P.I. No, no, it's Hayes. It's Gabby Hayes. Marcus Aurelius Hayes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's confusing because Because Hayes we is... associate him with Gandhi, who is Isaac Hayes. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't just transposing those. Huh. We've watched a lot of the Rockford Files, folks. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Wait, how how have we not seen all of these? Oh, is the Kirkhoff case the only one we haven't seen of his? Yes. Yeah. So the Kirkhoff case is the first non-pilot episode. Um, so yes. Episode yeah. one of season one. And we have not done that one mm -hmm. yet. So that is the remaining yeah. Yeah. Lou Antonio episode. Uh, Lou Antonio, who's done all kinds of TV. We've talked about him before, but I think I bring it up every time because it's his headshot on IMDb which is that yeah. he was also an actor so and he played one of the half black, half white aliens in a Star Trek original series episode that was, you know, about discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like he has a, a fun, real active. I feel like he has a real active camera and there's some fun um, reveals and stuff in this episode that. Yeah, uh, that are pretty, pretty neat. This one has uh, a couple of writing credits. So it's Story and Teleplay by Mitch Lindemann with an additional Telepay credit uh, by Edward J. Lasco. We've seen um, some of Ed Lasco's work before. He wrote The Italian Bird Fiasco, which was a standout for us, oh, or at least a standout yeah. for me in, in season two. Yeah. Uh, and a, a couple Teleplay credits. And he ended up being a producer on Charlie's Angels. So that's where the bulk of his... There we go. ...of his writing credits uh, ended up um, after, you know, bouncing around a little bit. Um, Mitch Lindemann was a radio guy. Uh, he wrote, like, scripts for radio yeah. plays. And per per IMDb, he was apparently blacklisted uh, after the House of Un-American... McCarthy. Yeah, the whole McCarthy whoack yeah. thing. I wasn't really able to find any more information about that, but you know, a lot of people didn't talk about it. So <laughs> it was yeah. one of those, like there was no formal list, right? It was a kind of whisper network. We don't work with these people anymore because they're communists or whatever. Uh, love our love American history. Anyway. So his TV Ugh. credits do, are pretty limited because those, you know, mm -hmm. would have been after, after, uh, who and this is actually his, final writing credit and he did die in 1977 so oh all right 
I guess, a little unsurprising when you just look at the timeline. Nice bummer for our holiday episode. Sorry. Sorry to end on a bummer. (laughs) I think I always have a bit of a question coming into one that isn't written by, like, one of our main kind of staff people, where I'm always (laughs) like, all right, let's see how this is going to go. I feel like this has a good, good rock traditionist to it. Yeah, it it did. I had this weird, like, uh, when I first started watching it, it was so familiar to me that I was, I checked to see if we had actually done it before. Because we're going to do that. It's going to happen sometime in this second half of our, our run. We're definitely going to sit down and both watch an episode that we've already done a podcast for we may even get through the podcast before we end up uh discovering that we've done that but that isn't the case here i don't think yeah i don't i'm pretty sure we have not done this one before (laughs) yeah it's just it was so familiar and then afterwards this morning when we're uh before we, we you know started chatting i was like okay what can I recall from the the episode? And I couldn't remember any of it. And now I do remember it now. But what I what I'm saying is what I kind of attribute that to is its rock traditionist. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, obviously I've seen all these episodes before, but the, you know my memory is not the best, and so I get to see them all for the first time again uh, as we do this podcast. Um, but this one just felt very. Uh, it's like putting on a, a plaid jacket that isn't yes <laughs> it's not the same jacket that you've worn before but you've certainly worn a plaid jacket of this fit before so it's like okay yes. I'm, i recognize this <laughs> yeah yeah no i i had a i mean i didn't i didn't check to see if we'd done it before because it quickly became a like oh yeah we have not done this one but uh mm-hmm. i agree that the sense of it is a very familiar like yep this is the show <laughs> Yep, this is it. Particularly a, yep, this is a first season episode. And I think that's mostly mostly Jim's affect about getting paid and punching people. I feel like yes. that, like I feel like he has a very <laughs> specific way that he does both of those things in the first season that starts to morph as the show goes on. Um, and we get to see yeah. both of those very specifically in this episode. So speaking of, we should probably start off with the what we see in the preview montage. Some things that stood out to me in the preview montage. Uh, first shot at, hit over the head, robbed of $10,000. It's just a, a nice litany of bad things that are going to happen to Jim that we mm-hmm. can check off as we go down uh, through it. There's a, a green VW bug, like mm-hmm. a lime green VW bug that just completely stands out. We have a little bit of the scene, and we'll get into that one almost right away with Jim at some woman's door, and there's that sign that says "Absolutely no salesman." Mm-hmm. And you uh, love to see it in the preview montage. I feel like if I was like, I'm almost certain that he was going to be pretending to be a salesman to get something, uh, but it, it it plays out a little different in the actual show. Uh, and then there is the good. Once you're in, you're in, or you're dead, and then followed by blah, 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 or you're dead. Uh, A good, like, one-two, providing us with uh, some consequences there. Specifically, while Jim is is explaining all the litany of bad things that have happened, he is taking big bites out of a sandwich. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I noted that in all caps, and then I had something to look forward to for the rest of the episode. (laughs) And I think I said earlier that there's a good color palette in this one. In the just in the preview montage, I noted good greens, good yellows. Yeah. Real bright early, early 70s palette. It's uh, it's real nice. 
is time to appreciate our patrons over at patreon.com slash 200 a day. Thanks to you, we're a 100% listener-supported show. Why become a patron for as little as $1 an episode? In addition to keeping us going and exclusive episode previews, our patrons get plus expenses, a bonus podcast, where we casually chat about the media we're enjoying and the things going on in our lives. We extend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode. Dale Norwood wrote a book, Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America. is about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy. Published by the University of Chicago Press, find it wherever good books are sold. Chuck from whatyourreading.com, Paul Townend, who also recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color at fruitloopspod.com, Shane Liebling, check out rollforyear.party for all of your online dice rolling needs, Jay Adon, check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Hawley, Matthew Lee, and Jay Thompson. And finally, we can't thank our detective patrons enough for their generous support of the show. Eric Antenor, at Antenor on Twitter. Brian Pereira, at Thermoware. Bill Anderson, at BillAnd88. And of course, Richard Haddam, at Richard Haddam. We follow them too, at 200pod. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who you think would like it. And check out patreon.com slash 200 a day to see if becoming a patron is right for you. So we start off our episode with the titles right over a uh, scene of a driving range where there's someone grooming it in an adorable little little cage machine. This is the kind of device that the word contraption was made for, right? Like this is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has little wings that I think are gathering golf balls. And then it's just like a little tiny yeah. cage that the driver's in, obviously, so he does not get hit by the golf balls that are being driven uh at the time but it's very funny because we spend some time looking at it just for the titles to play <laughs> and so we get a yeah. good a, a good eyeful of like what is that thing yeah. <laughs> uh, to modernize it is very contraption-y but clearly it's just you know that what that equipment was at the time um but jim has come to see a mr moss here at the driving range mm-hmm. um, we get right into back and forth kind of not even really status it's a little status yeah. play. it's almost just straight up threats like not even threats it's it's posturing it's a lot of posturing yeah the, there's um there's a uh uh high class low class thing going on uh mm. and we'll find out that like this guy moss um is he just likes golf like that's yeah, a that that's his character trait i like golf <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the um he comes at jim hard and fast right mm-hmm. like he he doesn't want he's trying to hire a pi but he doesn't want to be ripped off by a pi so he's like i'm on to your tricks already you know yeah um and jim like takes the club away from him yeah it's good so he uh we start right off with a with a good strong first season what do you charge two hundred dollars a day plus expenses yes he wants to be clear that he doesn't like to be fleeced. And I know you guys are all expense account hot dogs. So he's going to want expense. He's going to want <laughs> receipts for all expenses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he gets really aggressive and pushes Jim like back and pokes him with his golf club. And that's when Jim just grabs it out of his hand, just, just takes it away and pushes him back. And there's a, a moment of physical confrontation where Moss goes, Hey, I have a black belt in karate. <laughs> And Jim replies, good, I have a black belt and seven iron. I guess they achieve a kind of detente at that point where at some point this guy needs to tell Jim why he wants to hire him, right? 
So right after yeah. uh, after all the posturing to show how he's not going to get ripped off or whatever. We should we should point out that uh, that Moss here is played by Mills Watson, mm-hmm. who is a face has a face for playing like sheriffs that you have to thwart in some way or another. I was just checking because I was like, we have to have seen him before. He is in three other episodes of the Rockford Files, but this is the first time we've seen him. Actually, what I know, right? Um, he, he played Deputy Perkins in BJ and the Bear, mm-hmm. the, uh, television series, which is about a trucker and a chimpanzee. I, I, I remember watching it as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it except that this guy was in it. Is The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo a spinoff? Cause he also plays. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, uh cause he also plays Deputy Perkins in that entire tv series yes yeah okay. i'm almost certain that is it's I, again i know i've watched both of these and i mean i had to have there was there was a monkey <laughs> in it like the, the, <laughs> i was like chimpanzee um but yeah it has to unless they just couldn't think of a new name he also plays and this is uh, probably more to the point friar tuck uh, in a single <laughs> episode of voyagers mm-hmm. um it was a good episode i enjoyed it um yeah no he's he's uh He's got a, he's got a face for uh, an authority figure that you want to thwart in some way. He has a real punchable face, <laughs> but like in a fun way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this episode, he is a insurance executive, I guess, an insurance person. Um, and his company has a $10,000 death benefit that they need to pay out for, you know, a woman who had life insurance who 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 died. And they're obligated by the insurance commission to make a good faith effort to find the next of kin, which would be mm-hmm. this woman's daughter, but they can't find her. He says that the only thing that they know is that the deceased woman had a sister who lives somewhere in LA. <laughs> There's a bit of a standoff over whether Jim is going to take this case or not, um, leading up to... Well, how about it? How about what? Are you going to take it? You going to say please? No. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> Which I think is what I was getting to with the very first season kind of uh, approach. Yeah. Like in later seasons, I would expect him to be like, I don't need to deal with this and just walk away and get brought into it <laughs> by some other means. But first season, he he wants to get paid. Yeah, he wants to get paid. There's um, there's something about that beat that I really enjoy because the uh, Moss, when he, when he takes that beat, he looks at the seven iron, which is now back in his own hands. Cause it, there's, you know, the, there's this back and forth mm-hmm. where Jim took the club away from him, but it's just, are you going to take it? And Jim asks him, are you going to say please? And then Moss looks at the, the fact that he still has the seven iron and then decides, no, I'm not going to say please. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim goes, he, he works the phone book and looks up this woman by name and finds her <laughs> immediately <laughs> and has a good pithy line of like, Oh, you really looked hard, huh? Um, which gets to my theory that I think will get paid out through the rest of the episode that Moss doesn't actually do any work, that he's like a nepotism hire or something. Yeah, I spent time in the beginning trying to decide if Moss was setting Jim up to fail so he could take the money mm-hmm. or what you were just saying. Is he just incompetent or, or <laughs> you know, what? what yeah, he, he has a responsibility that he doesn't care about. And this is his way yeah. of discharging it is pretty much where we're at. Um, 
But yeah, Jim finds her immediately in the phone book, and we cut directly to that scene from the preview montage where uh, Jim is sticking his foot in the door as she slams it on his foot with a big sign in the background <laughs> that says, absolutely no salesman. She is clearly suspicious. She doesn't want to talk to anyone unless he's police and he's not police. Uh, Jim, with his foot still painfully ground in the door, explains about the insurance policy and that the money was left to the uh, deceased's daughter, Nancy. And then when she learns that, her face falls. Nancy ran away when she was 16, and she was the one at her sister's every day and night taking care of her. Uh, and then she leaves the money to, her, to, to that daughter of hers. Ain't that a bummer? <laughs> <laughs> Jim agrees that it's a bummer, but does ask for her help, and she wants to know how much is in it for her. And mm-hmm. he starts at ten, and she pressures him up to uh, to a hundred dollar bribe. <laughs> Which uh, I mean, it's good. She she has all the power in the situation, mm-hmm. including his foot physically stuck in her door. Uh, she does specifically say it might help or might not, but she wants the hundred either way. Mm-hmm. does not let him in but does have a letter for him there was a letter in her sister's letterbox that she found after she died and it's from the daughter nancy you know she would mail letters to her mother as she moved around all over the country um even though i guess she'd been disowned and they weren't on speaking terms any other way and she takes the cash and jim reads the letter and this is a nice fun transition where we get jim's voiceover of reading the letter the camera zooms in to him holding the letter and there's a headshot of the daughter which is very helpful for the rest of the episode (laughs) included in this letter we uh pan up during the voiceover from the letter to seeing one of those little electric like golf ball return things uh (laughs) on a carpet and we're in moss's office and he's putting while jim tells him what he's found out so it's a it was a nice little seamless fun transition that i really appreciated yeah re-establishing that this guy likes golf right but yeah pretty much what we know from the letter is that nancy's in a hotel she names the hotel i'm at this hotel in vegas my notes at this point are just case closed Mm -hmm. we're done yep (laughs) it was a good episode (laughs) um so he did the job he wants his he wants his you know two hundred dollars plus five for gas plus a hundred for the letter and then they go back and forth Mm -hmm. about how there's no receipt for that hundred (laughs) (laughs) but moss wants jim to deliver the money personally it's in the form of a cashier's check and so it's too risky to send by mail but he will buy the plane ticket for jim the round round trip plane ticket for jim to go to vegas and no give her the 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 check and get the deposit notarized or whatever you know there's there's a couple little like loopholes that need to get jumped through um to discharge this Mm -hmm. this responsibility jim Tries to get a little bit more out of Moss with, I like first class. Moss picks up the putter and looks at him <laughs> and goes, I like coach. The funniest thing about this is that in the first scene, Moss was wearing this hat. It's like almost like a service cat. Like, a, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the emblem on it was, but it was almost like a military style kind of like mm-hmm. service cap. Um, and then here he's in a suit, not wearing a hat. And we see that he's balding and it makes him much funnier. <laughs> Yeah, I really I enjoy the antagonistic relationship between these two. Uh, it doesn't. I'm trying to think. I don't think it uh, plays out. There's like one more yeah. moment I think between the two of them, but uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. And it leaves it open a little bit where we're like, is this some kind of weird setup? 
or something. Right. But it's just Moss just wanting to get this thing that he has to deal with over with, I guess. And he's kind of making yeah. a play where he's like, you worked for an hour and a half. I'm not paying you $200 for that, but I'll pay you to go to right. Vegas and I'll pay you your day. You know, I'll pay you the 200 to do the rest of the job. I think part of why it feels like we're, why we're wondering is that uh, for Jim, the job has been too easy so far. <laughs> right. right. Like, I mean, not obviously he got his foot slammed in a door and, you know, all that. But like, it seems like this guy's frustrated that Jim's not following the clues to reach the area that Jim needs <laughs> to be in to be set up for something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, yeah, it definitely has this this sort of feel to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, and this is all going by at a, like a real fast, fast clip. So, you know, we we still have a lot of uh, we still have a lot of, of story yeah. to get into. We have a brief montage of the plane coming into Vegas and Jim deplaning. You know, there's slot machines in the uh, lobby, of course. And we have a nice little <laughs> moment where Jim kind of like looks at them, shrugs, and does exactly two nickels worth of slot machine uh, pulls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shockingly, he does not win anything. And then he gets into this cab, and I was I was intending to look this up. So this, the red, white, and blue almost diamond patterned paint job on this cab yeah. brought me delight. I don't know if you noted this at all. I, I just noticed the uh, dice on the side mm. because that's what my eyes are trained to, to look for. So on the side, it is the Whittle. It is a Whittle C blue cab. They, that is a real cab company. Um, and I say just because, so almost all the Vegas stuff is on location and you really see a lot of <laughs> the yeah <laughs> being on location. Um, so yeah, this is a Vegas cab company, uh, that per their website has been in business for over 70 years and has built a solid reputation on providing quality transportation service. I do. I don't think that their modern paint job, uh, measures up, however, <laughs> but the old Whittle C blue cab, they still have dice in their logo. Well, that's good. That That's what I was worried about. Yeah. There's some stock photos of their seventies, uh, cabs and they are fantastic. They're a thing. They're a thing. So do yourself a favor and look that up when you have a moment. Anyway, I liked them. I liked that cab. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jim tracks down the uh, hotel that Nancy's staying in. Um, it is not a nice, uh, not a nice place. <laughs> I would say he has a yeah. brief conversation with the manager or whoever at the front desk who says, you know, I don't know anyone by that name. No one has stayed here. Shows him the picture. No, never seen her before. And then he turns away to answer the phone and Jim just dips by him and goes directly to the room. <laughs> and I guess, again, I was kind of like, huh, I wonder if that's a thing. I don't think that's a thing. I think that was just a, when you run a place like this, you just don't tell anyone anything. Yeah, yeah. you just you, Yeah. Jim claims to be the fire inspector to gain entrance into her room and she cracks the door to look at him. We can see from the picture that he's looked at that, yes, this is her. This is Nancy. This is the woman we saw in the preview montage. And Jim shoves his foot in the door here as well and <laughs> manages to do it without injuring himself, it seems. And uh, yeah, tells her tells her the tale. There's a nice little... I I didn't catch it entirely, but um, the woman uh, that, that, uh, that had him trapped in the door before, mm-hmm. uh, Nancy's aunt, I guess... Mm-hmm. Um, did tell Jim 
when he put his foot in the door that he's not doing it right. And so I'm, I'm wondering if there was like a distinctive technique that he then did this time where it worked. But I, I didn't go back to watch the two to see if there's <laughs> if that's the case or not. Uh, but if Eagle Eye uh, listeners out there notice something, please let us know, because I would like to know how to get my foot stuck in a door properly. <laughs> I wonder if it's is it Jim's technique or is it the ability of the person closing the door? Because that also could be the difference. Yeah, she could be a, a more experienced door closer than her than her uh, that, absolutely. Uh, niece. Brief aside, uh, in the Google image search, when I was looking up the, the cab, there is an eBay mm-hmm. listing for a blue cab company canceled check. Ooh, for those that collect canceled checks. I guess, but it's uh, number 236. It is for $6.69. It is uh, $15 on eBay. Plus three fifty shipping. <laughs> it's a check from the Blue Cab Company, or did someone write the check to? It's them? a check from the Blue Cab Company to Connolly Else, Connolly Electric Company, hmm. signed by V Whittlesey. So Whittlesey Blue Cab Company. I did not know that there was a market for canceled checks on eBay, but now that I think of it, of course there's a market <laughs> for canceled checks on eBay. Sure, yeah. Um, there's a cafe near here that in their restroom is wallpapered with canceled checks, uh, but they clearly got the canceled checks from a bank so that uh, they, they, they're an entire, like, complete run of, like, one person's canceled checks, mm-hmm. right? They're all from the same checkbook, and, oh, yeah, it's a lovely-looking canceled check. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you want this? Anyhow, that is neither here nor there. That's good. Yeah, our, our, our listeners would appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, Jim explains the story. I think she rolls her eyes, as I think would be natural when someone just shows up at your door and says, I have $10,000 for you. Yeah. <laughs> but then he explains about the insurance, and she didn't know that her mom had insurance, but she does let him in. Um, there's a bit of, like, she feels weird about it because of their relationship, but... Mm-hmm. Jim very specifically says, like, you don't need to explain anything to me. I'm just here with your check. (laughs) Let's just go to your bank and deposit it. And that's when she gets squirrely. Yes. Yeah. So she says she doesn't have a bank. Uh, She keeps looking out the window while Jim, who clearly just wants to get the job done, uh, is like, well, there's a bank nearby. Let's go. It's a cashier's check. I need to get it notarized. Let's just deposit it there. Mm -hmm. She is clearly nervous. She puts on a whole kind of disguisey get up with a with a hat and giant sunglasses <laughs> are you in some kind of trouble look it's none of your business if i need a guy on a white horse i'll call the circus okay glad we got that set <laughs> this is another moment uh where i rather ironically write my notes case closed <laughs> he's found her he's brought her to the check we're good this is clearly he's done now as they leave, there's a guy in in the hallway of the hotel. The camera moves to where we see this guy kind of peeking around the corner as they come down a hallway. Then he runs out of the hotel to the parking lot, yells to another guy in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming and they they hide in their car. Jim and Nancy go to Nancy's car, which is the bright green VW Beetle. Uh, in my notes, I say, hell yeah. <laughs> it is uh, quite the quite the vehicle um jim gets in the driver's seat of course and then we see them followed to the bank by these two uh at this point qualitatively goons in this big uh, maroon 
maroon car. I did have one question, and this is neither here nor there, so it doesn't matter. But I was <laughs> wondering, because Jim is driving it. We've seen Jim drive other people's cars all the time. But I wondered if this was Jim's rental. Uh, oh, no, but he, no, he took a cab. He clearly, we just, we just talked about the cab. So this is her car. It's just weird that she just met the guy yeah. and let him drive. It's Jim. There's also a moment where, like, the, the handle kind of sticks. And this happens a couple times. Mm-hmm. And the second time it happened, I was like, huh, I wonder if that's going to be a thing. And then I think it was just, that's how that car was. Like, this episode has a lot of little moments that are like, oh, that's just how it was. And they just kept the shot. Like, when they go yeah. into the bank, he yeah. tries one door, but it's the closed door. And he has to open the facing door instead. Like you do. Like happens all the time when one yeah. door of a double door is locked and you have to open the other one. Um, you just don't see it on film very much because it interrupts the flow of, you know, walking and or yeah. whatever. But they clearly were on location and that's just how the door was. <laughs> so we get this very natural moment <laughs> of him like trying the door. It doesn't pull. So he pushes. It doesn't push. Then he opens the other door because that's the open one, which, you know, <laughs> one of those very normal things that we just don't see on TV too much. Yeah. And, and the one, two with the uh, the door on the car. I Same thing. I, like, I wrote I'm like this going to be a payoff right like this is <laughs> we've now seen the door stick for him twice now um but yeah it does not <laughs> uh per the rockford files files this uh, goon car is a red and white 1975 lincoln continental mm-hmm. uh in my notes i just have yacht it is just a big old yacht of a car it is a big old yacht this will come into play later yeah it's uh i love the the striking difference both cars are super recognizable on the road, and both cars are uh, couldn't be any more different from each other. Mm, and from the Firebird. Yeah. All right. So they're followed to the bank. Uh, we see the goons, you know, post up to keep an eye on on when they're going to come out. Uh, they go on in, and we have a unexpected George Weiner appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yes he's popped up in a couple episodes uh we've talked about him in in b- before when he's he just has one of those faces and mm-hmm. he's usually either playing a nebuchia county kind of guy or 100 mm-hmm. percent opposite of a nebuchia county kind of guy <laughs> uh like the episode where he's like the like an officer in the army reserve or whatever right but then the last time we saw him, I think he got killed. Oh, this is this is a, a wrap on on uh, Weiner in the in our in our viewings here. Oh, is it? I thought there was uh, one yeah, more. Yeah, because the the Queen of Peru feeding frenzy, mm-hmm. the real easy red dog, and mm-hmm. then this. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is probably the most minor of those appearances. Mm-hmm. Um. We most yeah he he got killed in the real easy red dog is the one I was thinking of where he yeah uh you know was a representative of the estate or whatever and Jim got to got to totally snowball him with uh, some banter <laughs> uh yeah always a pleasure glad we got to see him I wasn't expecting it because I hadn't really looked at the cast beforehand and uh, this is a fun little scene yeah um so he's the clerk uh she has to open an account to deposit this. So, I don't know. Maybe this is just a, this is how banks used to work. I thought a cashier's check you could just cash, right? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. Like, that's the whole point to a cashier's check. And why you needed Rockford to, to why you wouldn't send it through the mail. Right, because then anyone could just take it and cash it. Yeah. But I wonder, two things. One, 
they want to deposit it because that gets us to the plot of the episode. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess, is it complicated by it needing to get notarized? Oh, that's yes. Yeah, because probably uh, Rockford needs some evidence that he didn't just cast a check himself and say he found her. Right. So. So I wonder if that's just like, this is how we do it so that there's a record that I gave you the check. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Having not been a PI or a bank teller, I can't answer these questions. I've never been bonded. <laughs> I think I've I've gone. I had to get something notarized once where I went to a bank for it. I don't think I've ever used used or received a cashier's check. Yeah, I I don't know. We just have Venmo now. <laughs> yeah. It's like there was a brief period where where I, I went on a trip overseas and I took traveler's checks. I had to get those at the bank. Yeah, I remember those. And then the next time I did a trip overseas, I could just use my credit card. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> Anyhow, the point here is that uh, we have some business with George Weiner about opening an account and he needs some info because of the size of the deposit. He needs specific information for like legal reasons, right? Uh, I think he specifically mentions the IRS, which uh, right. is actually kind of yeah. a, a, an important little detail that for later. Um Jim has to go to another person to get it notarized because their notary public is another is a, is a woman who has a different desk. So they go over to deal with the notarization. And then uh, George Weiner comes over and he says, well, this is this is uh, there's a bit of a, a, a hiccup here. It turns out that Nancy already has an account at this bank and she apparently didn't know about it. And it apparently has three hundred thousand dollars in it. <laughs> Jim turns around with the clerk to look at this like printout. Yeah. So they both have their backs turned and that is when Nancy turns and runs out of the bank. I love that moment. In my notes, I'm like, why is this guy sharing her account information with Jim? (laughs) But we have to assume that people trust Jim. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Well, and Jim's like, let me see that. Yeah. (laughs) It is staging such that they turn their backs and she can run away. Um, Yes. Jim pursues, and outside, Nancy is getting hustled into the goon's car, and they drive away. <laughs> so Jim goes back into the bank, and I, I think this is great, where he's just like, well, can I just deposit this into her account? Like, that's what he's there for, right? Like, he just wants to get right, rid of the yeah. check so he can get paid. <laughs> but because of the amount of the check, he can't do it without her authorization. And since she's not there, she can't sign it to authorize it or whatever. She's a very strange young lady. When somebody has $300,000 in the bank, you don't call them strange. What do you call them? Eccentric. (laughs) Now, Jim has more questions than answers. Um, He goes back to her hotel room uh, driving the Beetle, which I appreciate. Um, And I also like there's just like a little there's a lot of just like little moments that are like that are just to make it easier for things to happen. Right. Like the reason he drives her car in the first place is so that he has her keys so that he can drive her car later, because otherwise, yeah, she'd have to like drop her keys or he's just driving her car and we just never talk about how he got the keys. It's not a question that matters. Yeah. But by having him drive the car in Mm -hmm. the first place now, you know, it all lines up anyway. Lots of little things like that in this episode. Um, Jim goes into her room and we have this really interesting shot where Jim's in the foreground. Yeah. And then we see a face in the background. And at first I thought it was a painting. Yeah, it, it looked it looked like a, a painting with glass over it or yeah. something. Or yeah, yeah. I had the same thing. And then there's a bit of a zoom, I think, and it resolves a little bit. I'm like, is there a window that someone's looking through? Like 
is there a weird window behind the door? And then I realize it's a mirror and it's showing us the face of the guy standing behind the door waiting for Jim. Uh, so it was a good little tension building where I realized that yeah. he was actually in the room right as we see uh, see Jim get, get hit in the back of the head and, and taken out by one of the goons. And uh, the guy takes the cashier's check and his wallet. We stick with Jim as he wakes up, uh, realizes what happened, has a good good little business where he pulls out a whole tray of ice cubes and wraps it in a towel <laughs> to soothe his head. We are. This is uh, items one and two on Jim's checklist. Actually, these are items two and three on Jim's checklist of bad things that are going to happen mm, to him mm-hmm. from the opening montage. Uh, so I like that. I like putting, <laughs> putting myself in a position of waiting till when he gets shot at. Right. Um, and then he places a person to person call to Moss who answers the phone and is still putting in his little putter thing in his <laughs> office. And this is when I have my note. He really doesn't seem to do any work. <laughs> Does he <laughs> explains what happens? Uh, Moss is like, well, you're bonded, right? And they mentioned this earlier. And Jim explains like, yes, he's bonded. So Moss's company will be reimbursed, reimbursed for the $10,000. But then Jim is going to get dropped by his bonding company and he won't be able to do his job anymore. So he, since they took his wallet, he needs some money so that he can get around to recover the stolen check. Yes. Moss responds with, uh, your job was to find, you know, Miss Wade and give her the check. You've lost the check and you've lost the girl, you know, call, call me when that changes or something like that. You know, he's basically like, yeah, this yeah. isn't my problem. This is your problem. <laughs> For some reason, the way that he said you've lost, I, I don't remember if he says you lost the check and the girl or you've lost the check and you've lost Mrs. Wade. Somehow the way that he said that, I was like, does he know about her? Like, does he know that she's lost? Yeah. Like, is this is this all some kind of elaborate setup thing? But I think it's just the dialogue. Like, it's just in, inference from what Jim has told him. We're on the same wavelength here because my notes say you've lost her in the check, like in mm-hmm. quotation marks. And now looking back on it, I'm like, why did I find that important enough to write down <laughs> and i think it's the same thing it's just like hmm what's this guy up to he doesn't work clearly right he just right. golfs or doesn't even golf he just practices he, just, he, practice, he, he drives and he putts that's all we yeah. see um yeah so now we have this like you know this woman and there's three hundred thousand dollars involved like maybe this is some kind of insurance mm-hmm. scam but no this is the last that we will see of of mr moss um the whole thing from his end does seem to have been on the up and up as we will get into a much more interesting situation as we go forward. In our next sequence, we get to see a lot of good Vegas stuff because we just have a Jim is driving around the strip. I assume it's the strip. <laughs> I've never been to Las Vegas, especially not in 1975 or whenever this episode aired. Um, yep. 1975 nailed it. Nice. Uh, but I assume this is the strip slash classic vegas there's lots of signs lots of marquees um good good visuals just looking for a clue and well what do you know he passes a big marquee at a casino and it (laughs) says in giant letters now appearing nancy wade including a poster of her picture next to her name so going into this we have some competing theories about what's going on right Right. Is Jim being set up for something? Is this it because in the end it turns out that this is both the easiest and the hardest job, right? Right. Like finding her was just we know this woman lives in LA. You just had to look her up in the phone book. And then she'll just give you a 
an address and a picture. And if you don't get that, you know her name. And if you happen to be in Vegas, you're going to see her in lights at some point <laughs> going up and down the strip. Yeah, there's no functional mystery. Like, Jim doesn't mm-hmm. have to discover or uncover anything until he decides to get involved. But even then, it's not really a mystery. It's just him. He does, There's just a story that he doesn't know. And so this episode right. is just a progression of him finding out new facts that he did not know before. <laughs> That's not a criticism. It's just, it's interesting to watch it develop because we're sitting here with our finely tuned senses being like, oh, this guy's setting him up. Oh, he's getting involved in this scam. Like, and no, <laughs> there's just, I mean, there is a scam, but yeah. it has nothing to do with Jim. He just keeps mm-hmm. bowling through <laughs> until he, he gets the answers that he, that he wants. Uh, so we go from Jim seeing the marquee and going, well, I'll be damned uh, <laughs> to a close up of Nancy singing a, a torch song at a piano in this uh, casino lounge. And we have a little floor montage as we follow Jim moving through the space of, you know, poker tables and slot machines, etc. This, this, I've never seen a more accurate depiction of Vegas in my entire life because there is not a single person in this scene enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one is smiling. All of their faces are so dour. Mm-hmm. Like this must actually be footage from a Vegas casino because, like, the commercials are all like, "Hey, we're having fun. It's bright, shiny lights mm-hmm. and stuff like that." But when you actually walk into a casino, no one is enjoying themselves. Like that is. The mood of a casino is always at odds with what they're actually selling you mm-hmm. in, in my limited experience. But I've been in a few casinos and it's always shocked me how much <laughs> it's like this scene and not like anything else. I think the only person who seems to be enjoying themselves is the guitar player accompanying Nancy. Oh, he seems, yes. He seems to be into it. <laughs> yeah. The song's good. called Long Long Time and it is a Linda Ronstadt song. Mm. Came out in 1970 on the album Silk Purse. So, uh Nancy singing this song made me think, well, is this is this the actress playing her actually singing this song cuz she's doing a, a very capable job of it. Like that's um I mean, I think she is. So I went, yeah, I think she is too. So I went to look her up cuz you know, sometimes somebody is like a, a you know, is she the 70s Lady Gaga? And I'm just not aware of it, you know, like, did I, I not know that she was like a singer and was in this also right. an actress? So let me guess. Yeah. You went to go look her up and it's like, huh, I wonder if she has like other stuff going on. And then he went, oh, mm-hmm. that's why she's so familiar, because we've seen her in another episode <laughs> of The Rockford Files. <laughs> oh, I, that isn't even it. Because that was my experience, because I did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to look her up. And I did it in this scene. And she's the other lead in two into 556 won't go oh yes where and she's in another episode as well this is her first of three episodes yeah uh jesse wells um is uh you know we have seen her be the foil to rockford as the main female lead before anyway that was my experience what were you gonna say 
my experience was that she was the voice of Eleanor in the Ralph Bakshi classic Wizards, mm, I, which mm-hmm. there's no way in hell I'm going to recognize. But uh, that was that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, and we have one more episode with her in it. Well, that's that's exciting. That's something to look forward to. There's a great close up on her. She finishes the song like this is a nice, like lingering, like let's celebrate her doing this thing right now. Yeah, exactly. I appreciated that. Uh, she has a great voice. Jim then watches as as soon as she's done with the song, the two goons hustle her off stage <laughs> and then out the kitchen, out the loading dock. And he sees them peel out in their uh, peel out in the Lincoln Continental. So he runs back to the to the bright green Volkswagen to follow. <laughs> we are we are in for some fun here. Uh, green Beetle versus Red Yacht. But before we get into it, like this. is OK, now they have abducted her from the bank. Mm-hmm. she's been afraid of someone this whole time, right? She's constantly looking out the window, put on disguises. They abduct her from the bank and she, they seem to have taken her out to do this set. And then they're rushing her off to somewhere else at this point. Like the only thing I know about this show, and I, I have to confess that I do know that there's a money laundering scheme mm-hmm. coming because that's in the blurb. Right. Right. Like maybe the first thing said on the IMDb blurb, uh, but I am I am mystified by this goon behavior. Like I know it, I feel it. It's it is threatening. It's goonish. It is goon behavior, but what is the purpose of this goon behavior? Where are they being steered? What why is this woman being handled like this? If they're just abducting her to do something, why is it singing at, at a, a place on the Vegas Strip and right. not, you, you know, like it just, so I'm intrigued is what I'm saying. I want to find out. I'm, I am with Rockford, even yeah. though I feel like Rockford should have been a little more concerned about her being abducted straight from the bank. <laughs> There's a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. He was like, uh, I'll just see if I can deposit this check. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. was... Yeah. I mean, it might be like, I need to just get this deposited right now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll never get a chance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's take a little break. Uh, We want to make sure that you know where you can follow all of our other projects and interests online. Epi, where can our listeners find you? Uh, You can Google Epidiah. I am the only one out there that I know of. Uh, You can go to digathousandholes.com. That's the number a thousand. Or you can go to worlds, plural, without master, singular.com and uh, find my work there. How about you, Nathan? My internet home for all things NDP is at ndpdesign.com. You can find all of the links and information for all of my various games, including the Worldwide Wrestling role-playing game, my zines, and uh, podcast projects, of which perhaps there may be more than one. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at ndpaoletta. As always, if you want more information about the podcast go to 200aday.fireside.fm and now back to the continuing adventures of jimbo rockfish we get we get a very uh a a little hint at just how good rockford is at tailing people Mm -hmm. because he's in that lime green beetle following them and they they don't appear to have seen him right absolutely not yeah he he follows them they seem to head out from like the strip slash you know commercial Mm -hmm. vegas out towards more residential in the desert vegas um where we now see vistas that warm my southwestern heart i'm like ah yeah that's right 
that's <laughs> that's what it looks like out there um but there's a big fenced in compound that they turn into so jim leaves the beetle right outside the gate and sneaks in over a cinder block wall we keep getting horse foley so there's clearly some kind of you know, some kind of ranch situation going on. There's horses. We do see a horse head over that wall, we do. which we made do. me wonder how big that horse is because that like Jim had to climb over that wall. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. Um, we don't really get a great sense of the layout of this place, but he, he, he climbs a, a wall, gets past a horse, sees Nancy being hustled inside <laughs> some kind of room. He's also able to see like the front entryway where two guys in suits come out Mm -hmm. and they're having a conversation where we learn that one is Mr. Robertson. He is, uh, as we will soon learn our bad guy. Um, and he is having a heated conversation with a Japanese man who has spent long enough with his books and has nothing more to discuss with him. So they had some kind of (laughs) deal that is now being called off because, uh, his books are suspect. Robertson is unable to convince the guy to keep talking to him and he leaves. And then the first clear shot we get of him, like, waist up, his shirt, his jacket is open, and his tie has a golfer on it. And I was like, aha! <laughs> golf! Uh, yeah! <laughs> uh, Moss is involved somehow, but mm-hmm. no, it's just... <laughs> it, it's just it's just a tie with a golfer on it. Um, so Jim is close enough to he- overhear this conversation, right? And then he sneaks back around to where Nancy is. He sees through a window with one of the goons he finds an intercom like in the shed next to that area with helpfully labeled switches um, for different (laughs) rooms so he calls into their room which i guess he deduces which one it is saying this is robertson bring the girl into the house and the goon (laughs) assuming that of course no one no one would imitate uh the boss right uh, jumps to it so uh Great little Jim uh, action moment. He waits b- oh, around a corner, <laughs> sees them come up, jumps out in front of the two of them, grabs the goon by the lapels, pulls him around into the door to the like bathroom that's there, and then punches him straight in the face. <laughs> so he falls backwards through the door. <laughs> and then there's a beat, and he shakes his hand, and he's like, Ah, oh, darn, I do that every time. Go. <laughs> After our last Vegas episode, where we had the same thing, mm-hmm. where we punched the punch the guy, the, the other PI, and then he's like, "Oh, I think I broke my hand." Um, <laughs> good season one Rockford bit that yeah. I think is uh, starts to fade away a little bit over the the run of the of the series. They, they wanted to punch slightly more often. <laughs> I think is what it is. <laughs> Maybe he gets better at punching, so he stops breaking his hand. <laughs> so he grabs Nancy. They run. They cross the front entrance right as Robertson's coming out with the other goon and then they are walking out to the car or something and then see them at the end of the driveway and uh, start mm-hmm. yelling and the goon takes a shot. So there's the Jim's been shot at bit. Yes. I've checked that off my checklist. We've got we've done it. The chase is on as Robertson and the goon get in the uh, continental and Jim, Nancy jump into the VW and, <laughs> and uh it heats up from here this is this is a very fun chase as you mentioned earlier the the differences between these two vehicles is going to get highlighted and i mean this is the first the end of the first season of the rockford files but we're seasoned rockford <laughs> files aficionados mm-hmm. we knew that he was going to try and use that to his advantage oh yeah 
Uh, and it was it was fun. I like part of the fun of what happens next to me is him seeking that out. Like because like quite often he knows or you see him just immediately make a good decision and do it. Right. Right. Where this chase felt like he kept trying to find the way to take advantage of the differences between the cars until he fi- eventually pulls it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, for it sure. just felt fun that way. You know, he really only has one advantage, which is cornering because <laughs> mm-hmm. the other car is faster and more more powerful so he's able to get away get some distance between them by taking a, a fast corner through like a highway intersection so the other car can't yeah. stop in time and has to back up and turn um and then it gradually catches back up with him as they drive back through the strip until he turns into a construction yard. There's like some, you know, some looks like some apartment buildings or something being built. And there's a big unpaved lot in between them. And we get all the good. Uh, he's he's cornering to get through like these walls that aren't quite built yet. So they just have big holes on either side. So he's going through yeah. those like they're like little underpasses and kicking up all this dust. And then he finally finds a spot where there's two construction trucks. It looks like a water truck and something else are backed up really close to each other and he shoots <laughs> right between them and he knocks the fenders off of the VW. <laughs> yes. And there's a great, I backed it up just to check. Um, and you can see them kind of come off in the shot and then mm-hmm. we cut to the continental coming to a stop because it's way too wide to get through there. But we see the two bright yeah. green fenders on the ground in front. Yeah. <laughs> so I backed up to see if you could, you know, if that's where we saw that. Cause it's kind of a, it's kind of a visual gag. And when I played it again, you can see Nancy give Jim this look when they pop off the car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they filmed that so well, yeah. but uh, it's a it's a masterful <laughs> little piece of direct like we are watching Jim drive that car and we see those fenders come off. And I don't know how many times I had to do that take, but it it works great. It's I loved it. And, and this is one of those things where you you wonder if they gave Jim a VW bug to do this shot or once they established that Jim was going to have a VW bug at right. his disposal, they decided to do this shot. Like, I really I kind of I'm very curious about that. Yeah, definitely could have could have gone either way. Um, go to a, a, a hell of a yellow room. Um, again, our palette really, really <laughs> hits here with a big yellow wallpaper uh, or Jim saying that they're in an out of the way location. They'll never find us here. So he's bringing. So this is a big exposition scene. We finally get kind of like what's going on. <laughs> um, so I'll run over that in a second. The important thing here is that Jim brings in two cups, presumably of coffee, maybe water. Two packaged sandwiches and two beers. <laughs> so, got a <laughs> yes. full meal for for each of them. Why did you stay out of it? You didn't bother to ask me if I wanted to go with you. It never occurred to me. I could have handled it. I could have promised that it wouldn't make any more trouble. But then you come charging in like this. Why are you eating? I'm hungry. You love to see it. <laughs> <clears throat> Overall, the story is that, uh, as we know, Nancy was bouncing around the country. Uh, she like sings at clubs and whatnot. Around six months ago, she was working at a club in Lexington where this Mr. Robertson found her, said he thought she had talent and wanted to back her career. Um, mm-hmm. She went for it because she just was so sick of, you know, not making it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and signed contracts with his record company. So she mentions like a couple things, like I signed this, I signed this, I signed this. And we see that Jim's like, okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> she's been performing this lounge act in this lounge act in Vegas and says that says that she's been making more money than she's seen before in her life. Two hundred dollars a week. <laughs> Two hundred dollars a week for a Vegas lounge act? It has to be more than that. Well, that's all that she sees. But mm-hmm. recently, Mr. Robertson got a new secretary who is friendly with Nancy and told her about the secret ledgers. And in the secret <laughs> ledgers, she's apparently been making $25,000 a week in the lounge and $20,000 a week from the record company. But no, that's all uh, All she sees is the 200 Jim, sounds like you've been doing laundry. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, she says that it's syndicate money. Uh, Robertson's connected. She's being used to launder it into these legitimate business fronts. But if she went to the cops, the IRS would get involved. And there's no records of anything, and it's all in her name and mm-hmm. in her bank accounts. So she's the one who would get in trouble and go to jail. So that's why she hasn't, you know, she has no motivation to uh, to, to spill. But she ends up saying that she wants to, she'll just apologize and promise that nothing like this will ever happen again. Uh, and Jim, of course, <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's not how these people work. Yeah. There's no bargaining here. Once you're in, you're in. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, so I guess that's the, that's, that's the story. Um, her whole deal is that she kind of just wants what she thought she was getting, which is like a record deal, a good contract right. and to make money doing what she loves. She doesn't seem to have any real like moral or like ethical issue with what's been going on with the the laundering or anything like right. that yeah yeah but but she's aware that she's not getting what she was promised yeah um jim asks about uh the the guy robertson was talking to that's a mr mamato and he represents a japanese company called audiometrics so jim <laughs> thinks for a moment and then says not to open the door or look out the window you'll pick her up in the morning <laughs> it's a fun scene uh there's there's kind of an opportunity for a fairly standard rockford thing which is like jim gets i don't know not under the skin but like like jim shares some of his like you know moral sense with the person and she changes her tune or something but that's not what happens in this (laughs) no no well mainly jim's appeal is to how much danger she's in right right that's all he's really on about right now he's concerned about his own prospects of you know this ten thousand dollar check that he's supposed to deliver or whatever and also he's concerned that she's in physical danger but she continually resists him kind of him him trying to be like you know you could not do this and she's like no but i want my record contract (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so yeah so we have a scene break and then we cut to jim with nancy talking to mr mamato in his office and we come in mid conversation and kind of get it backfilled. But uh, Mamato's saying that you know, like you're like I'm not a citizen of this country. I'm not going to commit any crimes, right? <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> but Jim's asking him to do a legitimate second look at the books, just to look at the ledgers one more time for this for Robertson's record company. But while he's doing that, he's going to be an accessory to the breaking and entering and stealing that Jim's going to be doing to get the secret ledgers. Yes. <laughs> $10,000 isn't a lot to Mamato, but it's a lot to Jim. Um, and it's particularly not a lot compared to the three quarters of a million dollars that he thinks his company might have uh, been been swindled out of by this deal. Yeah. Um, 
So his company, uh, Audiometrics, they manufacture uh, audio cassettes and players, and they've been getting into the album market, and they've been buying into Focus Records, that's the, the record company. They've been wondering what exactly they've been buying with that money. Um, so they talk about how they both have an investment at stake, even though they're of vastly different sizes. But Nancy, of course, what about my contract? Don't you care yes. about people? And she wants to know, and Jim's like reassuring her, like, this is all going to work out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, how are you going to take care of my contract? And there's this long pause before Jim, Jim says, just one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I really, um, appreciate scenes in which, it's clear that each character has their own concerns and none of them step away from it. Right. Like, right, right. uh, you know, Ken Mamato has, has his company and his company's interests in mind, which is why he's like, whatever the $10,000 doesn't mean anything to him. He's got bigger fish to fry. Jim needs that $10,000. Otherwise he's his whole, the whole scaffolding of his PI business is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And like you said before, uh, Nancy just wants to be a singer. Like she, <laughs> her thing is the most difficult thing of all to, to actually resolve because whatever they do, her contract is gone. Right. right like right. either, either this, this mobbed up guy deals with her and she's the contract's the last of her concerns or they deal with this mobbed up guy and then who's going to honor the contract? Like what? nobody hold. there is no contract, right? right. Like it's, so, uh, and it's just kind of fun. I, I just really enjoy that. Cause sometimes you'll get in things like this, somebody who clearly has a stake in what's being said, but because it's not fronted, it falls away. And mm -hmm. so they're present in the scene, but they're not defending their stake. And anyways, I just showing my appreciation for what went down in this one. This one was a, a nice one. It, it's good where it's like the motivations are all cursed crystal clear everyone's interest is very apparent and yeah there is no way to harmoniously resolve them just by talking like they have to do yeah, exactly. something uh all right so we get into the uh the the subterfuge part um <laughs> so ken ken mamato has requested another meeting with robertson to look over his books one more time um they go up to a conference room and he says this time no phones no interruptions You'll be here to answer all of my questions. Uh, this is all, of course, to get um, Robertson isolated so that Jim can break into his private office. Is helpfully labeled as Mr. Robertson private office. <laughs> um, it's this fun because so he, he he clearly he picks that lock right um, to get into the office mm -hmm. and he snoops around. He finds a lock cabinet. There's an earlier detail where um, the secretary said that the ledgers are in the mahogany cabinet or something like that. Yeah, yeah, the antique cabinet. Yeah, yeah, something. So Jim finds it. Then he tries to pick that lock, but can't. I guess <clears throat> like he gets down with the flashlight, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna see Jim do some lock picking stuff." But he kind of pokes at it, and then <laughs> gets up and moves it so that he can get to the back of it instead. <laughs> and then we see him, yeah, brace himself against the wall and just kick in the back of the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I want to point out that there's really good snooping music going on during this scene. Mm -hmm. There's been some pretty good music cues throughout this episode, um, but I really did enjoy the snooping take on the Rockford theme here. So 
So in the conference room, Robertson hears the crash and he's like, huh, I wonder what that was. I'm going to go check it out. And that's when Ken <laughs> is like, no, no, I want an answer from you right now about this song. It was on the charts for 10 months, but according to this, it didn't make any money. What's up with that? Um, she says in a more you know professional manner, and that is enough mm-hmm. to get Robertson's attention and make him. He's like, you see here, and he takes out a pencil. <laughs> it's like he's just going to start <laughs> writing like in the account, whatever. Make yeah, making up numbers right then and there. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is a fun tension too because I I do have this moment wondering like, is Ken going to be able to right right? Like he... it's it's over to Ken now. Ken has to do, to save the day. Will he do it? And he does. Then we have a brief shot of Jim collecting the ledgers, and then he's away. And then we get to the most outstanding scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Well, actually, there's two outstanding scenes, but this one's one for the ages, I think, in terms of yeah, just the, like, this scene did not have to be like this, but it is. Mm-hmm. So we start with a shot of a plaster gorilla in the middle of a fountain. <laughs> and Jim is walking with, with someone around the fountain and we shortly learn that this is a district attorney that he's talking to mm-hmm. he's offering him a chance to be a hero so jim has these ledgers these secret ledgers proving that robertson is laundering money through his record company he just wants his ten thousand dollar check back and he can get it back from robertson either way but he would prefer he'd prefer for the government to get involved and also put robertson away mm-hmm while this conversation is going on, they stop at a hot dog stand and get chili dogs from a clown. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not a happy clown. Not a happy clown. A sad clown. <laughs> yes. A sad, sad, grumpy clown in full face paint and mm-hmm. hat and, you know, get up with the frowny face painted on serving hot dogs at an outdoor stand in the middle of Vegas. <laughs> so... Jim lays out that he wants to be, he can make the exchange. This wire me for sound. We'll agree on a code word. Let's say Geronimo. Ger- How are you going to work that into a conversation? How the hell do I know? <laughs> so now I know to pay attention to that word. During this back and forth. So the DA is not sure about it. You know, Jim did get them by committing breaking and entering. That's not great. Yeah. And so the back and forth, we keep cutting to the clown. And he keeps looking between the two of them as he's spooning out their chili dogs. It's it's wonderful because what they're talking about is so like you would think you they would need to keep it quiet, right? Like they're discussing a wire, they're discussing you know trying to bring the mob in. Um, and like Jim has this great line where you know the the agent says, like you said, you break an entry, or whatever. And Jim's like, I'm sorry, I didn't do it by the book. It just that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Like, that's just what happened. And here we are. So, I so love when the, the agent orders one chili dog and Jim is like, make that two. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're buying my chili dog here. Did Jim pay for it? No, I guess he doesn't have any money. Oh, mm, interesting. Yeah, I don't remember. His hands are out of the frame, so it's hard to say. But yeah, the end of the scene is the DA walks away. Jim takes the chili dogs and then tells the clown, don't worry, pal. We'll make it work out. <laughs> so as I'm sitting here going like, you know, yeah, what a conversation to have in front of some stranger. And then Jim clearly was also aware. It's wonderful. It's pure rock traditionness. It, it is. It is. And it, just the, the exquisite bit about that 
that count clown having like the painted on tears and everything. Mm-hmm. It's very like like Jim be like, cheer up. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, it's good. Ugh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I love how it's just like that scene could be in any episode. <laughs> yeah, like it's in this one, <laughs> which is great. It could be in any episode. It's it's a it's a it's a perennial. It's it's a good one. They're probably in front of Circus Circus, right? Like I'm guessing that that's what's going uh, on. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm seeing if if the, if he's credited and he's not. I I'll, there's there's a little bit about this in in um the Ed Robertson book, but like this they have like three days of location shooting in Vegas. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this is just this is the guy. Like this is what. Yeah. You know, this wasn't like cast. Like this is just how they serve hot dogs at circus circus or whatever um anyway it's great so uh we get to the setup uh where jim gives robertson a call and wants to make a deal all he wants is his check and his wallet and he'll in exchange he'll give robertson back his secret books you know how do i know you'll you know you're not setting me up he says you set the place we both come alone we'll make the exchange so where do you want to do it just a quiet little place <laughs> where we can have a private business dealing. And then we cut to Jim driving and driving and driving as he's going up to the Hoover Dam. <laughs> now I'm wondering if all of this was paid for by the Nevada Board of Tourism, right? Like this is <laughs> Oh well maybe we'll we'll talk about that after the in our in our wrap up perhaps. Yeah. And yeah, and so this is a you know, a nice elongated visual of uh, watching mm-hmm. Jim get up to the top of the dam. Robertson's waiting up there. Uh, and sure enough, they trade. Jim has his uh, books. He gives Jim the the check in his wallet. <laughs> I think I think Jim says something like, all right, there's your ledgers. And Robertson replies with, you should know, you stole them. And there's a beat, and Jim's <laughs> like, well, I guess we're done here. Uh, everybody's happy, <laughs> except Geronimo. <laughs> We let that pass without comment as Robertson says that they're not quite done. He wants the girl. Um, Mm -hmm. He doesn't know where Nancy is. And then uh, the goons pop out of the car where they have been. uh, (laughs) They've been hiding this whole time. There's a you said you'd come alone. I lied. Exchange. (laughs) Um, Either Jim gives over, uh, you know, gives up where Nancy is or he's dead. And Mm -hmm. uh, then Jim sees a car slowly coming around the corner. You wanted your books, you got them. Even Geronimo's say that's a fair deal. What? And then Jim runs behind his car just going, Geronimo! And then uh, another <laughs> another car comes around the other corner, and indeed the the, the feds or whoever the cops have arrived, uh, pulling out guns, and they have the goons covered, but Robertson makes a break for it. And Jim... <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, Jim's like, I got him. I'm like, okay, Jim, you're very, you're very yeah. ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he chases Robertson. And we have one of the most elongated yes. foot chases in all of cinema. <laughs> my, my first note, the same thing. Wait, he, he's like, I'll get Robertson. And I like, I'm like, okay, like, we'll, we'll let that happen because we're watching the Rockford Files and not watching agent what's his name's files agent hanser sure looking at the credits why not um and then my first note is he goes into the dam like that robertson flees into the dam Mm -hmm. and they just go down this incredibly long set of steel stairs and having myself gone down 
40 flights of stairs. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, that, that would be so tiring. That would just wipe you out. But that's just the very beginning of this chase. Uh, I, at some point, I'm like, is Jim going to wake up in the village after this? Like, Because <laughs> yep, yep. there's so many tunnels and like. Um, yeah, it is a long. So they go through. Yeah, these the steep stairs and there's no score through this whole thing. So this is all a foot chase yes. through this dam with just the footsteps and gasping. Yeah. <laughs> I just have like several lines of clippy cloppy. <laughs> Those shoes just hitting this concrete. Oh, man. So there's this yeah. long chase. It's through a tunnel. They go into, like, a, I guess a turbine room where there's all, you know, yeah, big, like, yeah. equipment. And then we see them both getting more and more tired. They go down another tunnel. It's good comic pacing, right? It, it's happening, and you're like, okay, where is this going? And then it repeats, and you're like, is this what this is? And then it keeps going. And it's like, okay, this is actually funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it has the right, like, the... The capture at the end is because ex- it's just uh, Robertson coming out of the dam mm-hmm. and then Jim coming out and just saying, gotcha. Yeah, they're both gasping for breath, swaying on their feet. Yeah, Robertson, like they they come out of the like doorway or whatever, and there's a little landing yeah. and there's more steps. And Robertson stops like, I can't go down any more steps. <laughs> and then <Jim, laughs> just reaches out, just gently touches him on the arm and does the gotcha. And they both sit down next to each other on the top step. (laughs) The camera's pointing at them and then it pans up. So we see the entire height of the dam all the way up to the top where they started. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so good. I I really enjoyed this episode. But the that chase and the the hot dog clown, Mm -hmm. like both of those really ramps up at the end, huh? Yeah, they're they're worth the price of admission, Mm -hmm. like no matter what. There's a a little bit about this in the, the Ed Robertson book. Apparently, first of all, the original script was a did not have a foot chase. It was another car chase. Oh, yeah. All right. But uh, it was to be staged to accommodate location yet to be selected. And then they had three days of location shooting in Vegas. But none of those mention the dam. Um, So they don't. And by they, I mean, you know, Robertson et al., who he talked to for his book, don't know Mm -hmm. how or why they ended up filming that at Hoover Dam. (laughs) Like, it's not in the script and it's not really in the notes. Uh, Though no one could recall for sure, Roy Huggins believed it was Steve Cannell who came up with the idea of staging the climactic action sequence at Hoover Dam and changing it from a car chase to a foot chase. So, you know, obviously it happened, but it does not seem to necessarily have been a let's do this in in partnership with you know national parks or something right. like that <laughs> uh, so that's a that is a hell of a thing uh. but yeah it's a good one our criminal is brought to justice but that is not quite the end of the episode as we no. go to a final scene with jim and nancy in a hell of a dress uh, meeting with uh ken mamato ken wants to talk to nancy about a new deal uh with he he calls it the Focus Recording Company of Japan, I guess. So I think there's yes. some implication that, like, you know, they're acquiring the company or something, right, out of all of this. They are making eyes at each other this whole time. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. feels a little sudden, but okay. And Jim is kind of, 
trying to mediate a little bit, but then eventually gives up. He's a, he's a very he's very much a third wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're watching this. You're like, wait, why is Jim here? What's going on? Yeah, and I think that that is in the text as well. As uh, yeah. so so uh, uh, Ken's like the deal isn't set yet, but here's roughly what we're thinking, and he says something like. $50,000 in guaranteed promotion, 7% of something and a five-year contract with annual renewal clauses and goes on and on. And Jim breaks in. He says, what's the hurry? She just right. got out of this situation. You don't need to rush into another contract. Ken tells him, hey, why don't you go take a dip in a pool? No offense. Or why don't you go soak your head? No offense. <laughs> and turns to Nancy to tell her to slow down and really think about this. You know, this is her future. You don't want to get into another bad deal. And Nancy, with this, like, barely restrained ebullience, turns to Jim <laughs> and says that, uh... I know you mean well, Jim. And I know you really want to do what's best for me. But bug off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Jim just goes, just gives, like, a, all right, yeah. <laughs> and a freeze frame on his face as he's kind of like getting up from the table but looking down it is a weird expression yeah. that they choose to, to end end on it looks like um you know back before phones were the cameras that we used sometimes you would make, take bad photos <laughs> where your eyes are half closed that's what this looks like a mm -hmm. little bit but uh but it, it does freeze frame on a great joke Right, right. It's a good joke, and it's like where he's it's it's where he's just throwing in the towel and he's like, "Oh, look, I tried." Right. <laughs> I tried to be the helpful person in this situation, but clearly, you're going to do whatever you want. Um, and he's yeah. you know, so he's he's out of it, and uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I didn't really know where it was going the whole time, and it definitely had those fun twists mm -hmm. and turns at the end uh, with the. There's like the reveal of like, here's what's going on. And then we see Jim make the plan to get the ledgers or whatever. And then each scene after that just escalated in a different way just to be a fun scene. Um, yeah. Uh, which I liked. Um, do we think he got paid? <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I was wondering about that because Moss disappears, right? And right. it's definitely more day. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> if he got paid, he got paid for... No, I don't. I, you don't think he got paid at yeah, all? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, because I can't imagine Moss paying him for not succeeding in delivering the check, right? Well, but he does deliver it at the end. He does, but like that's after Moss fires him. Mm, I don't think he was fired. He said, "Call me when you have." Oh, okay. oh you're like, right. Call me when you have, well, like when you've rectified the situation or something like that. You're right. Yes. Well, at the very least, he's uh, it would be disputed. Right. I, I'm sure Moss would try and fight paying him, especially certain expenses. So he certainly well, he got the flight like the, the flight was paid for up mm -hmm. front. So he did get the flight to Vegas and back. Yeah. And then based on the little that we see of Moss, my headcanon yeah. <laughs> is that he Jim's like, all right, because we, we there's clearly at least one overnight in Vegas. So yeah. Jim, I imagine, would make the play for at least two, possibly three days of work plus expenses. And then Moss is going to yeah. be like, you barely worked the first day. Then you lost the thing. So I'll pay you for one day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he doesn't pay for the bribe because he didn't get a receipt. So that's down to $100. <laughs> yeah, he was he was out $100 on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, and Moss would definitely try and get that first day prorated. And, and uh, I'm guessing he would be on the hook for the... 
uh, damage done to the VW. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the the idea is to go through each of these episodes and see who can nickel and dime Rockford for right, whatever right. they can. He's, he's down 10 cents from the slot machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, but he did get uh, a chili dog. He did get a chili dog. And I guess he probably used Nancy's money to get the sandwiches. The sandwich. Yeah, sandwiches and the beer. And I think that's it. I yeah. think that's the extent. When he sat down with them at the end, they didn't. They weren't necessarily eating at that moment. No, they were just like at a hotel no. or something. It was hard to say. Yeah. The best case scenario, I think, is that Jim got a free trip to Vegas and maybe a little up on the deal. Yeah. But probably not much. <laughs> uh, uh, I think in, in the intro, I mentioned that this episode and the previous episode, the Dexter Crisis, use Vegas in very different ways. Yeah. And I think that makes it kind of a fun compliment of the two of them next to each other. Because in the Dexter Crisis, it's much more about the people and following the people through locations. And we do get the casino. That's more of a, I think as you were saying, <laughs> that's, that's more of a like TV casino where people are having fun. Yeah. And it's staged for the show. Um, but then we leave yeah. Vegas and then there's a lot of driving on the highways and all that stuff. While in this one, the location stuff is all Vegas as it was at the yeah. time. We see all the great facades, all the um, all the signs, all the lights, and then the very grim casino floor. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like they they take they take your t- their time showing us her singing act, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's the entire song, but we do get quite a bit of a song that just feels like taking in a show at Vegas or or what have you. Yeah, and this one definitely has a lot of scenic. Like, like my notes are shorter than usual. Um, and our, you know, so mm-hmm. far as we record, we're going a little shorter than usual because the episode content, a lot of it is actually taken up with visual stuff with, um, yeah. you know, showing us the, the, the strip and everything and driving around, showing us her song, showing us that long foot chase. Yeah. And the car chase was pretty long too. And the whole snooping business was pretty long as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't like super long, but like when you add all of these together, yeah, a significant portion of this episode is not him interacting with other people, but uh, or sorry, not him talking with other people, but him doing the physical stuff that doesn't require yeah moving through yeah. environments and and watching things happen mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. Like I think it's like the pace is nice. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're sitting there going like I'm waiting for something to happen. And it it fits well with the pace of the the. The plot. Yeah, it's interesting because it, there isn't much of a mystery. Uh, there is, I guess, if you don't know that she's involved in a Mundry laundering thing because you didn't check IMDb before you watched the episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but aside from that, it, it there isn't like a ton of uh, like trying to stitch things together. So it allows for this sort of fun physical scenes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's a very appreciation episode. We get to appreciate a lot of things. And they're in the service of a plot that is not complicated, but does require Jim to find out the truth of a not complex situation. Just one that is being kept from him, because why would he be involved? We get these episodes from time to time where somebody is tangled up, usually with the mafia Mm -hmm. uh, or the mob in some way. And it's up to Jim to arrange something that undoes it, whether it's putting the people responsible uh, in the eyes, like putting them in front of the authorities or if it's conning them or, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's no reason not to reveal what's wrong because once we reveal what's wrong is 
where the meat of the episode yeah, that's where the real sort of comes in problem is is the solving of it not the finding of it yeah this one also has a interesting twist on the i guess as close as you get to the standard formula with jim so so, so jim's interest in the situation is all jim centric like he's hired to do the job mm-hmm. And then because they take his check, he has to stick with it because otherwise he's going to lose his bonding and then he's not going to have a job anymore. Right. I would expect and I was kind of half expecting that we'd have the transition to Jim being like, well, my interest is resolved. But you usually, you know, female person who is still entangled with this. Right. You're in danger. So I'm going to stay involved to help you to you know get 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 you out of the situation but that actually doesn't Mm -hmm. happen here and if like she keeps trying to push him away (laughs) and if his check wasn't involved you get the sense that he would have just left because she doesn't even want him there and not in a like no i don't want you but really you should help me and they like i literally do not care that i'm laundering money for the mob i just want to like i don't know it it almost has a it has a bit of a resonance almost with the with the dexter crisis in the like uh in that one uh susan is the woman who's like on you know on the run or whatever and her roommate gets the lecture from jim about meddling like Mm -hmm. when you try to run someone's life for them that's meddling this is jim's jim gets up to the precipice of meddling and then just doesn't (laughs) it's just like yeah it's like all right you've made it clear you don't want my help all right i'm out bye Mm -hmm. uh which is non-typical and thus was fun to watch though i kind of feel like you get the sense that uh nancy does not end up with a great deal at the end of the day though maybe she does maybe ken's into her and they work it out i don't know it's a it's a big question mark (laughs) Uh, I, yeah, I mean, the, it's also one of those things where I'm like, well, whatever deal she gets is probably better than the one she had. Right, right, exactly. Like, if anything else, this guy's not mobbed up and laundering money through her. Yeah, and she was so close to happy with the one she had that, mm-hmm. like, sure, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. fine. Stay out of it, Jim. She'll, she'll enjoy her life. Right. This was a season ender, right? Like, this is the end of season one. Yep, this is the last episode of season one. It's not like modern shows where you'd be like, all right, let's see how they pick up these stories in the next set. Like, that's not how this show is constructed. But I think it does Mm -hmm. leave leave you with a fun, like, that was quite the foot chase through Hoover Dam. That was a fun, funny, memorable sequence that is leaving me that i will remember next fall when the rockford files comes back on my tv guide yeah right the the sort of three beats at the end there with the the hot dog clown the foot chase uh the geronimo joke in the middle there mm-hmm. i guess and then uh the so we're getting more than three and then finally the just jim being told off <laughs> um which is just a small thing but it's you know mm-hmm. i yeah those have a momentum to them that could that I mean, obviously brought people back in the fall. Yeah. I, I Like, we can't say just because of these. <laughs> like, if I had to pick an episode to end the season on, I m- may have well have picked this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Like, I, did, I, I don't recall all the episodes of this season. If I had them all, in, you know, and was shuffling them about trying to decide what's the one that brings people back, mm-hmm. um, the way this one ended would definitely put it in the running. Yeah. I mean, I think it is something that is like we will remember and be like, what episode was that in again? But yes, like, yeah. those two scenes, the, the hot dog clown and the Hoover Dam foot chase, I, those are memorable scenes that will stick at least stick yes. with me for sure. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So I guess just as it was a, a fun one to end the season on, I think perhaps uh, we can say it was a fun one to end our year on. Oh, yeah. Well, well picked. <laughs> Not intentional, <laughs> but I'm 
glad it worked out that way. Uh, again, assuming this this uh, this episode comes out somewhere around Christmas, New Year's, which it should. But if mm-hmm. it doesn't, sometimes that's how it goes. <laughs> Future historians <laughs> will be able to line up line up the the dates and see how accurate we were with our prediction. I know it's not by the book, but it is what it is, or whatever that quote was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't do it by the book. That's just the way it went. Any final thoughts on Roundabout? The only one that comes to mind as I say that is I'm not quite sure why it's called that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I, I expected her to break into Yes's Roundabout while mm. singing, but that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because he goes Roundabout to Vegas and back? I don't know. I feel like it's eh, something like be. that's a good title for a TV show episode. And it could be any TV show episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that could have been the title for pretty much any episode in this season. And it, I, I would probably have yeah. the same question. So uh, anyway, that's not a knock on the episode. Just uh, a realization as I ask, what are your final thoughts <laughs> on Roundabout? Uh, yeah, I agree. Not sure why it's named Roundabout, but enjoyed it quite, quite a bit. Thanks again to everyone for uh, joining us for our continuing exploration of this wonderful television show we still have plenty to get to as we go into our sixth year <laughs> of uh of wow. doing the show i mean pretty soon uh we're gonna break the 100 episode mark so Ugh. prepare yourself for that yeah nothing has made me feel older <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad i could do that that for is a you. lie <laughs> that is an absolute lie yeah Six years. It's very cool that we are still getting new listeners and people telling us, you know, their mm-hmm. thoughts on the show and joining us on, on, on Patreon, of course, is always appreciated. Yeah. So I guess I'm just here to say thanks for listening. And if you don't hear from us for a while, that is that is intention. We're going to take that month of uh, January <laughs> off from posting. Uh, but then after that, we will be back with another episode of The Rockford Files. <laughs> something about a christmas theme Mm, well i was thinking the chances of me putting in the yes song are pretty high at the end here yeah (laughs) (laughs) 